Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Train, Eat, Repeat podcast. So glad you're joining me this week. I hope you all had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and Memorial Day. Even if you weren't able to get out and do what we would normally do on that holiday, enjoy family time, maybe you were on the lake, hopefully you uh, were able to just relax uh, in observance also of the of the fallen soldiers and, and the people that fight for our freedom. So thank you very much. But I hope you all had a great weekend. Really excited to connect with you guys this week. In case you want to skip ahead in the episode, if there's a topic specifically you're waiting to hear about, you can do so. So in order, we're going to be covering in our training section, cardio. What is cardio and what exactly is the right type of cardio for you? Then in nutrition, we're going to be talking about the cheat meal, almost the unicorn of the, the diet and the sort of eating world. So what is a cheat meal? When should you be having a cheat meal? How often should you be having it? And what does that cheat meal look like? And then in our repeat, our recovery, we're going to be talking about sleep, which to me is one of the most underrated performance enhancers there is. So if you want to skip around, you can and do so. Uh, We'll get started here just shortly, but wanted to recap and also thank Dr. William Davis, author of The Wheat Belly, for jumping on the podcast last week. If you missed that episode, please go on to the iTunes podcast app or Spotify and make sure you check out that episode a lot of good information given out there. Just a couple highlights, and I think the biggest thing that I took from Dr. Davis is that you really do need to take health into your own hands. There's only so much that a doctor knows about health in general, and especially when it comes to nutrition. So if you have issues, find a certified coach like myself, maybe pick up the Wheat Belly book, but finding ways to correct the diet and also correct some supplementation issues and other factors to make you healthier. That is the whole point there. Um, So you can also find Dr. Davis at wheatbellyblog.com. And like I said, fantastic book, fantastic read. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast, please go back and listen to it. So let's jump into today's topics, and we're going to start with training, and we're going to be talking about cardio. So cardio to me has sort of been uh, much like the cheat meal, sort of the unicorn or the sort of redhead stepchild of, of exercise. And the reason why is that typically if you're just starting out on your exercise journey, you're going to go directly towards what we would term a traditional cardio source because it's very easy, it's very accessible. If you're home right now during this pandemic, you're probably picking up a pair of running shoes. Hopefully you're going to running lab and you're you know, going out for that run because anybody can do it. doesn't take any equipment. We obviously want to make sure that we have the right shoes or equipment and we have the right form, but anybody can start there. And so that's why I sort of wanted to talk about cardio, what it is, uh, what it is not, and, and what the appropriate dosages are depending on what your goal is. So cardio at its most basic sense is just your body's ability or any type of exercise that causes the heart to beat faster and harder for a period of time. So it's not just being on a treadmill, but that could mean that we're doing high intensity interval training with weights. So doing something like a thruster, a squat to overhead press for those of you that are not initiated, doing that for 20 seconds on and 10 seconds off, that's going to make your heart beat faster and harder for a period of time. And that's also important too, because you can actually build endurance without 
ever doing a run on a treadmill. And you might not have the endurance for a run, right? Because it is very specific to the type of exercise that you're doing, but it all depends on what your goals are. And so I found that definition pretty interesting. Um, I think it puts it down in, in simple terms. Now, why is cardiovascular exercise important? Well, it's important because it improves our endurance, our ability to complete tasks over longer durations. What it also does too is it helps regulate our metabolism. So it basically teaches our body to pull from fat when we want it to burn fat and pull from carbs and sugar when we want it to pull from carbs and sugar. And that's really important because you need your body to be able to readily switch between those fuel sources so that we have an effective metabolism and so that we can maintain our weight, make sure that we're actually recovering adequately from our workouts, and just making sure that when we're sitting down and doing absolutely nothing, our body is readily available to burn fat rather than carbs and sugar. And so that's where variation in your cardiovascular work is also also important. The other piece is that it also improves all-cause mortality or your ability to live longer. And it does that because of your ability to increase your volume of oxygen or your VO2. And so what we're talking about here is the amount of oxygen that your body is able to utilize at one time. And so the higher that number is or the higher that volume is, the healthier your lungs and your heart are, which we all know the major leading cause of death in the United States is heart disease. So beyond diet, cardiovascular exercise is a great way to sort of combat that disease from rearing its ugly head. Now, what do you what type of cardio do you do based on your goal? So, with clients I've worked with in the past, if you're a weight loss client, I typically suggest that you do 80% of your cardio at a lower intensity. So two, three days a week, we're going to be in that low to moderate intensity. We're not going to be really pushing hard. And part of that reason is, is that we need to build that metabolic flexibility and build that aerobic base. So we're increasing your endurance throughout that process, but that we're also going slow enough too so that the body doesn't get broken down. You don't feel really fatigued and sore and tired all the time. Not that that won't happen, but again, that's never the goal of a workout. But this allows you to build that endurance slowly so that way you can take on more load or more intensity or more duration as your endurance improves. So 80% of the time at that lower intensity, again, about a rate of perceived exertion of about one to six would be appropriate. Then 20% of the time, or one day a week, we're gonna be doing high intensity. And so that's where those Tabatas come in, where we're really pushing hard for a short period of time with a longer recovery period afterwards. And again, there's many modalities out there. It does not mean that we have to be on a piece of cardio equipment. We can get very creative with those, doing body weight movements, weighted movements. All of those will help build that baseline endurance. If your goal is muscle gain, we're going to change the script just a little bit. And so we're going to take ourselves away from doing really long, drawn-out cardiovascular sessions. So going out and running like four to six miles multiple days throughout the week. And the reason why is that when when we do too much cardiovascular work, it almost becomes muscle wasting. And so your body turns towards your muscle for a fuel source rather than just utilizing fat and carbs and sugar. And one of the best examples I can give is look at the body types of two different endurance athletes. So you have a marathon runner, sleek, 
really thin, doesn't carry a whole lot of lean muscle mass. And then you look at a sprinter who's going to be running like a 100 or 200 meter sprint. That runner is going to have more lean tissue and more muscle mass on his frame so that he can explode and create power so that way he can run faster for that shorter period of time. Now, don't there's no doubt the marathon runner has more endurance, but all more endurance based for his actual event or his sport. But those that's just an example to give as to why you would see two different body types when they're both endurance athletes. So if you are looking to gain muscle or maintain the harder muscle that you're working on, you're only going to do one to two days a week of high intensity exercise, okay, because it's going to ensure that our body is going to increase that endurance. It's also going to push ourselves to lose that fat rather than lose our muscle mass because high intensity intervals sessions are only about 10, 15, at the highest 20 minutes in duration, whereas your longer steady state cardio could be upwards of 30 to 40 minutes. Then the rest of your exercise after that high intensity is all going to be your NEAT or your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is basically a fancy word for just walking or just your daily activity, making sure we're getting in those seven, eight, nine, ten thousand steps per day. That is what the majority of your cardiovascular work is going to be. So if we're in weight loss, again, take it slow. 80% of that cardio should be at that lower intensity. One day a week, really try to push it, making sure that we do adequate recovery, do a proper warm up before all of these uh, exercises, even if that means we are just going out for a run. And then if we're looking for muscle gain, going to back down on that lower intensity cardio, keep one to two high intensity sessions throughout the week, and then the rest of it will just be your NEAT or your regular activity. Now let's switch it over to nutrition, and I wanted to talk about cheat meals. And the reason why I think it's so important to bring them up is that I really do feel like it's an important aspect to include in somebody's diet regimen. And again, diet meaning that we're not doing like paleo or we're doing Atkins um, or even wheat belly for that for that matter, but that we are our diet is what we eat. And having a cheat meal in there does something not just for your body, but also for your mind or your emotions. So many times diets fail because we're too cold turkey and we it's almost like a person who's a cigarette smoker to after 10 years of, of smoking cigarettes and making that a habit, they say I'm no longer smoking. And I've talked with enough people that have smoked and have seen it in my family that know how aggressive that addictive nature is. Well, food is just the same. And so when it comes down to cheap meals, what I always advocate is allow yourself that little bit of something one or two days throughout the week. If you're just getting started, I would say one day a week because we also don't want to fall off the wagon too hard. A lot of times when I've had people institute a cheat meal, it becomes a cheat weekend or cheat day, right? And that's not going to help you, especially if you have a long way to go in terms of weight loss or muscle mass gain or body fat loss. So one to two days a week, you're going to choose a meal where you get their menu is open. You can have whatever you want. Now, what I will say though, is that be very careful because what I have found in my own experience is that when I start to put those cheat meals back in, I realize, wow, I'm really foggy brained. I don't have as much energy, I feel sleepy after my meal, I have bowel disruption. All of those things are happening because 
now your body knows what it feels like to not have those things in your system and now is having a harder time breaking them down. I almost like to say you don't know what you don't know, right? And so how do you know what your body is supposed to feel like or what optimal feels like if you've never been there? And so instituting these cheat meals can be a really great way to stay on track in your program or in your nutrition uh, plan. One thing that I would advocate in terms of timing when you should have your cheat meal is to make sure that you do it after a workout. So much in the same way when we were talking nutrition a couple weeks ago is that your meal after a workout should be your biggest meal of the day. Should also be where if you're going to increase your amount of starchier carbohydrates, so things like your rice, potatoes, uh, pastas, that's when you want to have those starchier carbs because you just depleted your body of glucose and other nutrients. Now your body's going to be taking those nutrients in and rather than storing them as fat, is going to be utilizing them for that fuel source. So cheat meals are an important piece of the puzzle. We just want to make sure that we do it at the right time and that we want to make sure that we realize how our body feels when we institute those cheat meals because it is possible to get that same dopamine effect from eating something that's really good or something you've been craving and make it healthy. You can make gluten-free cookies. You can make gluten-free pizza. And I'm just talking about gluten-free in general, but the more that you make the food, you know what the ingredients are that are in there, it will be just as enjoyable. I promise you that. So let's switch gears and and talk about recovery. And this week we're talking about what I would argue is the most underrated performance enhancer there is, and that's sleep. And now so more than ever, sleep has become so important because I think it's something that people truly do take for granted, sort of that mentality of, you know, work now, sleep later type of deal. And there are a myriad of health concerns that pop up when we sleep deprive ourselves. Uh, It's going to affect cognitive function. Uh, Your inhibitions can run wild too, so you'll have less control over your emotions. It will cause metabolic syndrome, so bad things like hypertension, uh, metabolic disease, high fasting blood glucose, high triglyceride levels, all those things that lead toward disease can happen. And then also it, it... Our immune response is drastically compromised when we get less sleep. And that is more important now than ever. So if we really want to make sure that our immune system stays healthy, we're going to have to ensure that we're getting that quality sleep. Now, what is quality sleep? Quality sleep is seven to nine hours per night. And that's for the average majority. If you're a little bit younger in your teenage years, you're going to require a little bit more sleep than that. So seven to nine hours is sort of that sweet spot that we want to try and get. And getting too much sleep is actually a problem as well. So studies show that 10 or more hours sets you up for uh, metabolic issues like I was talking about earlier. Um... And so you don't want to oversleep either. And you also don't want to have the mentality that, oh, well, I'll just make up for my sleep on the weekend. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. So we really want to make sure that seven to nine hours of quality shut eye and so we can get into that deep sleep. Now, what are some things that we can do to set us up for good sleep? Well, number one is is being a dark 
cool room. Anything that blocks out ambient light from the outside, so especially if you're living in a city, you might have ambient noises, have ambient light coming in through your windows. We want to try and block as much of that out as possible. We also want to make sure that the room is nice and cool, so that way your body can regulate its temperature. It's not fighting to stay warm. It's also not fighting uh, to stay cool, so especially as summer's approaching. And the other thing, too, is that the... We talked about that ambient light. You also want to eliminate blue light. So blue light is emitted from the sun, and it's part of the reason why we rise with the sun. So when the sun comes up, we wake up. And so because that signals a hormone in our brain, hey, it's time to get up. It's time to start moving. And so that sets in that good circadian rhythm for you. And so one thing you can do to help yourself is eliminate artificial blue light. So things like tablets, cell phones, TVs, anything that emits it, computers, those are going to be things that you want to keep out of your bedroom 110%. So 30 minutes to an hour before you know you're going to lie your head down and try to go to bed, put the phone away, turn the TV off, because that's going to not allow your body to realize that it's time that you're tired and it's time to go to bed. The other thing you can do is if you work on your computer, there are now many options on the market for blue light blocking glasses. So it actually will block that light that's being emitted from those external devices so that you can fall asleep. I've also had clients in the past that have said, well, Tyler, you know, I try to lie down and go to sleep. I just have so much on my mind. Well, that's where journaling, meditation, those things can also help you to get your thoughts out or to sort of focus on maybe one set item that's really bothering you. So that way, when you lay your head down, you can worry about it in the morning. So that way you're not up all all night thinking about it. But those are just some techniques that have worked uh, for clients that I've worked with in the past. The other thing that will help you is setting a schedule and sticking to it. So all too often, and especially throughout this pandemic, when everyone's schedules took a little bit of a, a roller coaster ride, is you need to set a solid schedule of a time you plan to be in bed by and what time you plan to get up at. Now, most of you, if you're working your regular job, you have to be at work at a certain time. So you're going to set your schedule appropriately so that you're up in time to make it to work. But if you have the option, set a a reminder on your phone. And there's also an option on most iPhones and I believe even the Apple Watch where you can tell your phone and your watch, oh, hey, it's about 30 minutes until bedtime, start winding down. And so that's very useful because too many times we get caught up watching a show and we're binging it or we get caught up in a book, which is not the worst thing in the world. But again, we want to make sure we're getting that seven to nine quality hours of sleep. So do whatever you have to do to sort of set that schedule, whether it's in a calendar or a reminder on your devices. So that way you can get that quality sleep. The other thing that will And the last thing that will really hamper the quality of sleep that you get is avoid alcohol, caffeine, and other stimulants because they will make it feel like you got a good night's sleep. So we've all been there where you're out with friends and you you have a couple drinks and you go home and you fall asleep like a rock. It's been a long day, fun day, and you wake up and you feel lethargic. You feel tired. Well, part of that reason is that those stimulants 
Don't allow your body to get into the deepest stages of sleep, and that's where the recovery and the most rest is sort of gained. And so by taking those things in readily, even if you say, well, I sleep better once I have one or two beers before bed, you're not getting the quality sleep that you should be getting, even if you're getting the right amount of time or or the right amount of sleep that you should be getting. So it's seven to nine hours, but it's seven to nine hours of so-so sleep rather than really great sleep. But those are just a couple reasons why sleep is so important. If you're an athlete um, or you're training for an event, sleep is where your body recovers the best. Uh, So if you're finding you're not recovering from workout to workout, it's another thing too to, to try and look at your sleep and look at the quality of your sleep to improve your recovery and ultimately improve your performance. That's all I have for you guys today. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you go onto iTunes or Spotify, leave a five-star review, and just let me know in general what you guys think. Until next time, be humble, be kind, and work your ass off. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.